Hello everybody and welcome to this week's bonus podcast um, where we have got a special double interview this week. That's right, Gemma. Yeah, there's that's, two. That's twice as much you haven't had to do anything this week's podcast. <laughs> um, a couple of months ago, or was that a month? I can't remember. I was contacted, we were contacted by um, the Motor Neurone Disease Association, which is the charity that Coronation Street has been working with on the Paul storyline, um, asking whether we wanted to speak to somebody who worked for the charity um, a little bit about the work that they've, or their collaboration that they've done together so I jumped on the chance of that and then later so later on this episode um, we're going to have a little chat with um, Chris James who works for the charity um, about Coronation Street's work there Um, yeah it's really I think it's really important to talk to the charity partners mm. in these storylines because we always mention the fact that Coronation Street has worked with this charity or that charity because there's so many issues based storylines and they do a good job of liaising with the charities to try to make sure that they're representing everything in a in a sense to well, yeah well, I thought this was a great opportunity yeah. and it's like you say not something we really ever do I can't we remember whether we ever have done no, before but it was really interesting to get their point of view about and perspective too about how it's going yeah absolutely so we said yes to that but then I thought well let's also see if we can get somebody from the Corrie cast on as well to chat about their role in the storyline too mm-hmm. so as I say, Chris James is coming up later, but before that, we have got an interview with Daniel Brocklebank, who plays... Billy. Billy, Billy Mayhew, uh, which is fantastic. He's been on the show for ages now, coming up on a decade. Um, and I've always wanted to um, have, a, have a chinwag with him. We've never met face-to-face before or anything. No, but so, he's um, so Yeah, he was really, really friendly. So he's going to be here first, talking about first the MND storyline, um, with with Paul and Billy and, and everyone and how that's been affecting the characters and then we move on to talking about other Billy things um, and then after that we'll be going on to our second interview with a little probably a little bit of in between from us as probably well probably a bit yeah. yeah so here you go here is the wonderful oh can I just oh. say there is a YouTube version of both videos so you may well want to go and watch that because they're both great if you'd prefer seeing interviews with your eyes back to you Here's the wonderful Danny B to tell us all about what it's like to be in Coronation Street. <laughs> Was that good? Yeah. Did you like that? Okay, here we go. This year, Coronation Street is exploring the heartbreaking story of Paul being diagnosed with motor neurone disease and the effects that the condition is having on him and his loved ones. Here today to speak about his character Billy's role in the story, as well as reflect on nearly a decade on the street, is actor Daniel Brockenbank. Dan, welcome to the podcast. Hello. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. It's lovely to have you on here. Yeah. Thank uh, you very much for having me. Eight years, I think you've been on the show now, haven't you? Uh, nine years nine, in is September. It? it will be nine years in September. Yeah. Wow. Uh, glad we finally managed to grab hold of you for the podcast at last. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you finally grabbed me. <laughs> so, um, we, we got plenty to talk about, obviously, with, with nearly nine years of Billy stuff. But I wanted to start by discussing the current storyline where Billy's partner, Paul, is being has been diagnosed with MND. Now, yes. I know you've, you've spoken in other interviews about um, your personal connection with this condition. But for listeners that maybe haven't been keeping up, what can you tell me about this? Uh, well, um, twenty nearly twenty two years ago, my grandfather was diagnosed with motor neurons disease, mm-hmm. um, and back then, uh, in terms of diagnosis for MND, things were very different. Uh, we've moved quite a 
quite a way in terms of people's diagnoses um, happening uh, a lot sooner. In fact, he was only diagnosed a week before he died. Right. So um, we we nursed him for two years, not really knowing what um, what he had. Um, however, since then, um, I've been working with the Motor Neurons Disease Association. I'm now an ambassador for the charity. So having <clears throat> spent 20 odd years um, quite heavily involved with the MND Association and having been part of a family that nursed a loved one with MND, uh, to be presented with this particular storyline was a little bit of a shock. Um, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, the producers, they didn't know uh, my, <coughs> excuse me, my history with MND or the charity. So when it was first proposed to me, I was, I was a, I was a little taken aback, mm. um, uh, to say the least. Um, however, I feel incredibly honoured to be presented with this storyline. Um, it feels, it feels, it feels very, it's strangely beautiful in a weird way. I've met many people with MND over the years since since my grandfather passed. And um, it feels like quite a beautiful way to be able to commemorate him and uh, the other people that I've known with MND sure. over the years. So it it's, um, feels, it's I mean, I'm, I'm devastated to be losing Peter, hmm. uh, but it does feel, it feels strangely beautiful to be able to um play this out publicly having having been somebody that was part of a family that cared for somebody living with MND to now play Billy um as somebody uh, caring for somebody living with MND it's it's a strange in in I've, I've, been, I've been an actor for 30 years and it's such I've, I don't think I've ever played anything so close to home before mm. Mm. Um, has, it been, has it been quite overwhelming at times playing something that is close to home like you say it has and it's it's um it's brought back a lot of memories and it's brought back um a lot of emotion in some ways not just for me but also for my family as well I mean I'm the way that we work at Cory they know what we're doing a lot further in advance than what we know yeah um, and then once I was told what was happening, of course, I couldn't tell my family for quite some time. Uh. <laughs> but when it came close to the release and the press release, um, I did have to speak to my, it was my mum's dad who had MND. Um, and I had to speak to my mum and uh, her brother and sister and say, look, how 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 much of this do you feel comfortable with me sharing? Because this was such a, a brutal familial experience. How, 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 how can I, you know, share this without impacting on you guys? And, and, and they were all very, very um, supportive and happy for me to share it because I think we're all very well aware that, you know, the more information there is out there, the, the closer we may come to a cure. So they were all very comfortable with me to share our 
our family experiences, which I was grateful of, but I had to kind of, I had to hold it very close to myself for quite some time before I could tell them. Mm. Um, but it's, yeah, it, it has, it's brought back a lot of memories. I mean, Peter's performance is, is, is fantastic. And obviously we're shooting quite a, a way ahead of what you're seeing on screen. So in terms of Paul's debilitation, um, what is now on screen is very different to what I'm working with day to day. And Peter is incredible. Um, his portrayal of somebody living with MND is, is absolutely fantastic. Um, but that has inevitably um, triggered quite a few memories. Mm-hmm. Have your family yeah. been watching it play out on screen as well? Indeed. My mother's watched Corrie since she was a little girl. She can't oh. remember ever watching Corrie. Yeah. So um, mum watched it long before I was in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so I get regular texts and voice notes um, <laughs> <laughs> regarding the, the show and my performance. Yeah. Is, and and how, what's her reaction been to watching this? Has she found that difficult? or And, and does she think that it's being done well? Yes, she thinks it's been done very well. Um, and yeah, it, it's been it's been emotional and not, not just for my mum, but for for other people I know who are either caring for somebody that's living with MND or who have lost um, loved ones with MND. Um, I think it's quite a hard watch. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah. How, how have you found the reaction from viewers? Because this has been playing out for a couple of months now, hasn't it? Yeah. Um, it's been mixed. I mean, I, I think on the whole, it's been incred- incredibly positive. Mm. Um, there's been some people that have said they can't watch it because it's bringing up too much emotion. Other people who are very, very thankful that we are highlighting this as a subject. Mm. The thing is with Corrie, like, you know, it's a very loved show. It's it's a British institution. Um, and there will always be things that we do that some audience members don't like. Yeah. Some audience members love, you know, it, you, you can't always please everybody. No. Um, but I think with this particular storyline, I think it's it's hard hitting for those that have had an experience of MND in their personal lives yeah and I think you could it, say the same thing for say Sinead's story and Haley's story goes back a little bit longer as well yeah of course of course so and and again I think with either Sinead's or Haley's story or this one you're always going to get that juxtaposition with people who are watching it and going oh my god I can totally relate to that and other people who go oh my god I relate to that I can't watch it yeah it's yeah. you know they're important stories to tell aren't they they are they are for for every um real life illness like this you've then got your serial killer murdering people with hole punches so tell me about how the mnd association have been working alongside cory for this story well i mean obviously they've been in consultation and uh we've had several meetings with them we've um had meetings with people who are living with mnd Mm-hmm. Pete's, Pete's. I think Pete's in much more discussion with them than I am because, obviously, as 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 the person portraying somebody living with MND, 
he is the one that's having to show the physical deterioration and then in turn what that does mentally, emotionally. Um, weirdly, because I've lived this, um, I've not actually been in touch with the MND Association as much. Yeah. Um, so uh it's it's i think it's it for pete it's more of a research thing um for me i'm i'm really just drawing on on personal experience but then again my personal experience was very different from billy's personal experience so um i mean i i'm i'm entering this storyline with a huge amount of uh, of knowledge of, of of mnd and of caring for somebody with mnd but billy isn't yeah. So there's there's a huge difference between the two of us. Sure, sure. Now, one of the challenges that I know soaps have to contend with when they have storylines whose aims are to raise awareness of um, serious issues like this is they can't lose sight of the fact that they're an entertainment show as well. And, and you've got your soap opera tropes that are expected. So, you know, for the Acid storyline recently, we've seen Ryan and Daisy kiss. With the M&D storyline, we've had... Paul turning to crime, keeping his secret, a diagno uh, his diagnosis a secret. The, the the thing with Zach at the hotel recently. So, do you think it's important that Coronation Street does keep those soapier elements as well, for lack of a better word, in in these issue led stories? I think it's important that we never lose sight of the fact that what we're watching is entertainment. Mm. Um, Corey's Corey, and it, it, with with a show like Coronation Street, we have the opportunity to highlight issues educate people uh, invoke conversation but at the same time we should never lose sight of the fact that we are essentially here to entertain people yeah um and Corrie has always had the brilliant balance of comedy and drama it's that's what has maintained the show for you know 60 plus years yeah so um, despite having uh, a, a, an incredibly heavy storyline like uh, Pete and I are playing currently, it's really important that the show maintains a balance of of entertainment, comedy, and then what we're playing with this storyline. But also with this storyline, it's important that we also maintain some humour because even if you are living with MND, if you're caring for somebody with MND, there's still going to be moments of lightness. There's still yeah. going to be moments of hilarity because that is life. Absolutely. I, I, I love like, the, the wedding was great. The, the left-handed darts match that you did recently, the chilli contest, stuff like that. Yeah, because I think even if you're living with somebody who has a terminal illness, you don't focus on that illness the entire time. There are still moments where you're just living. And life does produce humour and lighter moments. So it's it's important that we as a show maintain those moments as well. Sure, sure. Well, hopefully there's still more to come as well in the story. There's plenty more. Plenty <laughs> more to come. Yeah. So, I, mean, would, I, would you... I wish I could tell you what we've been filming this week. I can't. <laughs> Where are you up to now? Are you kind of August, mid-August at the moment? Um, no, not quite. It's uh, beginning of August. We okay, are. Okay, we'll look forward to that then. So yeah. um, would you say that so far, Billy has been a supportive partner to Paul? Do you think he's doing a good job? Yes. Um... I mean, bearing in mind what we've seen this week, I know we can discuss what's going out this week because this won't go out until... Sure. Next, <laughs> so I know that we can discuss what's going out this week. <laughs> um, obviously, we've seen this week Paul 
having a, a little dabble with somebody else in a hotel room mm-hmm. um, and um, Billy kind of trying to get his head around that. And I think <laughs> Billy is obviously his job as a vicar is to be incredibly caring. Mm. I think Billy messes up quite a lot of the time. I think he he tries incredibly hard, but I don't think he always gets it right. Mm. Um, but this situation is different because this isn't just pastoral care. This is, he, he he's in love with this person. So it's a different thing. He can't just be a vicar or an archdeacon in this case. He, he is a partner. Uh, whilst also trying to be a father and and everything else, so it's 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 a different it's a different thing for him. Um, I think he's doing his best. Sure. I think um, he does always try to do what he thinks is best. It may not necessarily be what is best, <laughs> but I do. <laughs> he does try. But that's that's good. That's all you can do, isn't it? Um, he's been showing a lot of concern recently for the fact that Paul hasn't been baptised. So is that something that you think he's going to be pushing quite hard for? Well, for him, I mean, you know, in his belief system, if you're not baptised, you don't go to heaven. Mm. And with a looming uh, death, which obviously Paul eventually will have when you take into consideration the condition Mm. um i think it does concern him because in his mind when he eventually passes whenever that is he wants to meet him on the other side and so for billy i think him pushing the baptism is um it's important on a spiritual and religious level yeah. Um, but also it's important that he that, that Paul does it for his own wants rather than just because Billy wants him to. Now, Paul's not religious at all. No. We've seen Billy's, uh, Billy's pushing the, the, the christening, Bernie's hiding her crystals. Paul's belief system is neither of the above. Yeah. Um, and you can't force somebody to, to, to follow your no. belief system. Um, hence the reason why Paul rushed off and had a, a little fling with Zach <laughs> in, in that hotel room. Um, but I, th- I think for Billy, it is important, but it's also just as important that Paul is following his own path as well. Um, as I said, Billy never quite gets it right. <laughs> <laughs> he must be doing something right if he's been made Archdeacon, though, I suppose. Oh, he must be. I mean, yeah, he did. <laughs> do, you, do you see Billy's faith being more a source of comfort or friction as the story progresses? Oh, my goodness. Um, both. Mm. Equally both, actually. I think his... I think his faith may be a comfort to himself but that would then cause friction with Paul because Paul doesn't have that belief system. So I, 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 in, the, in the way that Billy approaches things, he will come, up, come to, you know, to that conclusion from his own faith, but then therefore can't expect Paul to totally buy into it. 
Sure, sure. I remember um, after Sinead died, you were given a really lovely prayer to read out. I think um, Ellen Taylor wrote that episode. Um, yeah. it'd be re- I think it'd be quite a powerful scene if Billy got something like that, sort of praying for Paul's soul or, or, or whatever as yeah. you know, coming weeks. That was a beautiful scene when Billy went to visit Sinead. Um, I spoke to Ellen about it, actually. We went out for a drink. It, and it was a couple of years ago. So it would have been year, a couple of years after Sinead's death. Oh, okay. And it's it, inevitably with something like Corrie, where you're shooting 12 episodes every two weeks, you know, it it it, it, it keeps going, it keeps going, it keeps going. But there are certain scenes that really stick with you. And that scene where B- Billy visited Sinead on her deathbed was one of them for me. Mm. Uh, and I still remember the dialogue quite well. Um, Sinead said she was scared that there would be nothing. Yeah. And Billy said, well, maybe there's a peace in nothing. Mm. Maybe, maybe the good guys get nothing. Maybe it's the bad guys that get eternal life. It was such a beautiful take on what potentially is the afterlife. Um, I don't know whether Billy will be able to be so philosophical with Paul. It's different. Again, Sinead was a member of his flock, mm. um, whereas Paul is his partner. And I think, I, 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 I wonder, of course, I, I'm in no control at all. None of us are in any control at all about how we're written, mm. how the characters are written. We are told what to say. We have choice in how we say it, but even then there are parameters in terms of moving the story on and 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 character uh, restrictions. So it's it, it's it, I'm hugely interested in to, to see how this is is going to evolve. Mm. Uh, yeah, it makes me wonder whether he's going to have another, you know, crisis of faith because he, he already stepped down from the clergy at one point, didn't he? A few years ago, it makes me twice, that's twice. There was once was with Sean. Yeah, there was once with Sean. Um, it was boyfriend or God, and then the same with Todd, hmm. um, where he wanted Todd to move into the vicarage, uh, and he was oh, told. Yes. That- not so then they ended up moving into the flat above Preston Petals which is of course where Billy still lives Mm. um so he's had a couple of crises of faith but uh, over a relationship sense this time um because of course the the whole gay relationship in the Church of England thing is still quite a a gray area <laughs> Speaking of the church, um, I, I really like that we got to go back to St Mary's a couple of weeks ago for Gemma's wedding. Yes. Uh, I, I know, having spoken to members of the cast before, that sometimes wedding episodes can be a bit of a drag, and there's lots of sitting around. But I mean, was was this one nice to do for you? It was great. It was great. It was lovely to be back in the church. <laughs> Considering Billy is a vicar, we we rarely see him doing oh. vicary things. <laughs> you, you dish out soup, um, Dan. What, that, that's all the big vicars do, isn't it? Just dish out soup for, for the home. He does good soup. He does amazing soup. Amazing soup. I, it's, I think during all the the COVID nonsense, it was very. We we weren't allowed to shoot oh. off site, so there was a couple of years there where we were very restricted to only shooting with what we had available to us. Um, I would love Billy to be seen doing more vicary things um 
Uh, however, we do just see him sort of uh, wandering about wearing his dog collar more often than not, uh, not doing vickery things. Mm. He's either in the pub or in Roy's Rolls or, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, but um, it was wonderful. I mean, Gemma's wedding was fab. I loved doing it. I, I think you might be able to tell me if I'm wrong, but I think that may be the first successful wedding that Billy has ever conducted. <laughs> it, may, it might well be because it was... I think, I think all of them have been disrupted at some point prior to the actual I do. I think you're right Billy because it, most, most of the weddings these days on Coronation Street take place at the hotel or the bistro, which yeah. Billy wouldn't be doing. But yeah, I, yeah. I think it's the first one in a good long time. That... He's certainly done more wed uh, funerals and christenings than he's done weddings. But I do think that Gemma's wedding may be the first one that has actually got to I do and has had the I now pronounce you man and wife yeah. uh, but it was great I mean you know Dolly's Gemma's dress was just incredible wasn't it, wasn't it great? Um, and uh, the whole thing was lovely and the thing is when you're out on location it's like a school trip it's so nice for all of us to get out I mean, we love being there, but it's so lovely to have everybody out for the day or a couple of days doing something a bit different, you know. And 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 you're right. I mean, the weddings and things like that. When they, when there's a lot of people, it is a lot slower, and it it is you know they're long days to shoot what essentially becomes forty five seconds on screen. It's taken us six hours to shoot. <laughs> it is you know they're long days, but it is always nice to get out and about. Mm. And uh, speaking of weddings, are we going to be maybe hearing any wedding bells for you and uh, for, for Billy and Paul before this storyline ends? Who can say? Who can say? I mean, as I said to you, I am not in control of uh, what is is happening in the, the storyline. So uh, we will just have to wait and see what the right... Corey's got close to gay weddings before with um, Sophie and Sean and then yeah. Rana and Kate. <laughs> Again, never actually quite made it to the... Uh, never to the quite place, made so. it, but all, they were all lesbian that. weddings. So maybe this oh, one yeah, with, with two men, maybe... Maybe, maybe that's the... Maybe that is the actually yeah. make it down the aisle, if indeed <laughs> it <happens. laughs> Well, um, whatever moments of happiness are ahead for this story we know that there's no way it's going to have a happy ending like you said and whether it comes I don't know the next 12 months or even three years down the line we know Paul's not getting out of this alive so how do you feel about the prospect of having to perform what's going to be some really gut-wrenching scenes I think it's gosh from a from an acting perspective um I think the thing is with this with this storyline, for me as a person, not as an actor, as a person having gone through this with my own family, mm. there is uh, there is such a personal connection to this storyline um, on on so many levels. Then, as an actor. Therefore, you feel there is a huge responsibility to portray this with truth and integrity on, on every level. Yeah. But obviously, the way that I would react to things is not necessarily the way that Billy would react to things. So it's not until I get my script, which is only two weeks before we shoot them, mm. as to I find out how Billy is going to be reacting to or being involved in these, these particular situations. So... Um, I, I, 
how it, I, I don't know how it will unfold. So it's difficult to sort of um, picture really what what I'm going to have to do or what I'm going to have to bring to the table. But I just I, I hope that we do it justice. Mm -hmm. um, so far from um, the conversations that I've had with people on the streets and things like that, not necessarily online, particularly Twitter, people can be particularly mean. <laughs> so um, I would rather judge from the actual face-to-face -face conversations that I have with people rather than the uh, keyboard warrior, <laughs> we think your shit messages that we get. On. Yeah, yeah. How, um, how do, you, do you know how, how Pete's feeling about it? Because, and it's... Uh, I, I can't imagine that it's going to take an awful lot of uh, acting when I mean, you're right, he's doing a brilliant job, but just thinking about, you know, this far down the line, I'm going to have to be portraying somebody mm. with, with this really debilitating addition. How's, how's he feeling about it? I think, I mean, Pete is awesome. He's, I, I love him to bits and I'm, I genuinely am gutted that uh, we will at some point not be able to be working together mm. um but he you know he's he is he, he's he's a very positive person and i think his sort of um the the way that pete approaches stuff is is with such fine tuning he he wants to get it right i think that's his main uh, point he want he he wants to make sure that he is absolutely portraying this with a hundred percent realism. Yeah, the thing is with MND that it, it affects people in such different ways. So in that respect, we as a as a team at Coronation Street have a little bit of artistic license in terms of how Paul progresses with the illness. Um. You know, some it, so so therefore, um, Pete has a, a a small amount of freedom in terms of how uh, he's he's playing it in terms of what we're given script wise. Yeah. Um, but he, he's doing an amazing job, and I I think you know over the coming months, obviously the disease will progress, and that will there in for in turn affect how he is playing Paul but I have no qualms that he will be he will be pulling it all out yeah he's doing great and so are um, Jane and Dolly as well it's giving them something yeah. different than the norm to work with isn't it indeed indeed and I think with characters like Bernie and Gemma which is so you know they're larger than life sort of bright colorful characters to have them embroiled in such a a heavy storyline is brilliant because it you're seeing them in a in a totally different light um and you know jane and, and dolly are, are fantastic so we're, we're again we're getting to see them pull in different levels of performance mm -hmm. okay let's let's move on and talk about some of your other stuff um okay. I, couldn't, I couldn't chat with you today without mentioning the whole falling off a cliff on christmas day incident <laughs> yeah <laughs> so but do you remember your reaction when you found out what you'd be doing when people were tucking into their turkey dinners? Like, yeah. Well, I first I thought that I was going to be written out of the show when <laughs> I first found out that that was happening. Most most people don't survive falling off a cliff. No, no well, he had God on his side. You see, I mean, that was the wow. that was the great thing. Um, when I first found out about it, 
Kate Oates was producing then and she phoned me up and she said, can I meet you for a drink? There's some stuff I want to discuss with you. So I went out for a few beers with Kate and she told me and I was like, am I, is this, is this it? Is this the end? And she was like, oh my God, no, 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 it's not. But this is what we're doing. So to, to bring the provenance of the character of Billy 16 years prior to his entrance into the show mm. um, was incredibly clever. I mean, just to weave that into the history of, of, of Corrie and the death of Susan, which had obviously never explained and all that kind of stuff. Um, I was incredibly excited about it. Incredibly. I mean, to be, to be part of a Christmas Day episode. Now, I grew up in a household where we never missed Corrie on Christmas Day. Yeah. Corrie Christmas Day, you'd, you'd finished your, your dinner, you'd, you'd, everybody was full of sherry or whatever alcohol they'd consumed that day. Obviously not as a child, of course, my parents. <laughs> yeah. But Corrie Christmas Day episode was, you know, Corrie Christmas Day episode. You didn't miss it. They're the big ones, aren't they? They're the big ones. So to be told that I was going to be part of it and not just part of it, but part of it in such a large way was incredibly exciting. To be honest, playing a vicar, I, I didn't expect that to be my first sort of major involvement. <laughs> you know what I mean? I thought it'd be in a church delivering a sermon somewhere. But um, the it was such an exciting few days uh, I mean, I love Chris Gascoigne, adore working with him, adore going out for pints with him. He's, he's, he's a beautiful man. So, and, and the thing is as well, when you're on location, normally it would be like Gemma's wedding. There'd be loads of you out. So to have just a couple of you out with the crew is a kind of different experience to just having 30 of you out and crew. Yeah. Um, I remember being quite insistent with Kate that if we were going to do what we were going to do, that I wanted to do it myself. Right. And she was like, no, insurances, we can't. <laughs> and I was like, no, if you're going to chuck me off a cliff, I want to do it. Can we find a way to allow it to be me as much as possible? Yeah. I'd like to, I'd like to do it. Um, we did have a stuntman on, well, with a few stuntmen there, but a, a one particular that was looking similar to me, just in case I bottled it at the last minute. Um, but they did find a way for me to do it. Um, and it was thrilling. It was really, really exciting to be. We were in the Peak District somewhere. I think someone in Buxton, if mm. my memory serves me correctly. Um, and they did find a way to make it possible for me to do it myself um in 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 the end they had a scaffold uh scaffolding built up against the side of the quarry yeah. covered in green material with a crash mount it, i think i fell back about eight feet you know it wasn't a huge amount but it, i mean it was big enough you yeah, know but it was it was thrilling and i didn't as i said my mother is a massive curry watcher mm. of course i i can't and don't tell them what is going on in in the show yeah. um and all i'd said to my mom was that i was quite heavily involved in the christmas day app and <laughs> i'd done all my own stunts that was that's all i'd said 
And of course, prior to Christmas Day, Billy had been locked up in the boot of Peter's car. Yeah. Drunk on vodka. He, uh, Peter had forced vodka down his neck and, <laughs> and locked him in the boot of his car. And there was just before Billy slipped off the edge of the cliff, uh, Peter drags him out of the back of the car. And I'm sat with my family watching it on Christmas Day. We're all there, full of turkey and whatever else. And uh, mum was sat in front of me on the floor in a beanbag. And uh, as as Chris, uh, as, as Peter dragged Billy out of the boot, sort of threw him on the floor, mum turned back to me and she said, oh, is that what you meant by your own stunts? I went, mum, just watch it. <laughs> and then Billy dropped off the edge of the cliff and my mum went, like screamed at the television <laughs> and then it cut to commercial break and she turned to him and went oh my god oh my god have you lost your job is that it <laughs> my dad sat next to me on the couch and he went he's been filming this week of course he hasn't lost his job like it had been gone months ago if he yeah and she was like oh my god no mother should ever have to watch her son drop off the microphone <laughs> <laughs> um but it was it was brilliant. I loved that. I did. I I loved that. Great. So <laughs> the story did lead to some rather dark stuff for Billy, didn't it? And I I, I love yeah. it when Harry goes dark. But that was particularly bleak. What Billy faced after the fall, wasn't it? It was. It was a a well, an unexpected prescription drug addiction, <laughs> which then led yeah. into uh, uh, stuff that was a little harder. Um. Quite unexpected, um, from my perspective. We, as I said, we we are never we, we're always at the mercy of what the writers throw at us. So my my job is to take what the writers give us, and 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 bring it to you know to to life with the character. Mm. Um, and sometimes when you're faced with things, you think, "What? Like, oh my god, really? Mm -hmm. Okay." <laughs> Didn't, I totally didn't see it coming that that going in that direction, but that's of course what they want because that's when the audience sit there and go, <gasps> yeah, it got people talking about it. <laughs> yeah, so it, it definitely went in a direction that I was not expecting. Um, but again, this you know after after thirty years of doing this for a living, this is what I adore about being in something like Corrie or adore being in mm -hmm. Corrie because. There is so much variety in terms of what you get to play. There is comedy with Corrie. There is drama. There is the darkness. There's the lightness. There's and everything in between. So it it is an absolute gift of a gig to get because you you get to stretch all of your uh, artistic wings, and then you get to be surrounded by a group of people that you absolutely bloody adore. And, you know, I, there are days, I mean, it's, it don't get me wrong. Some days it's, it's hard work. You know, you work in seven till seven and that's not the prep time on top of that's just the, yeah, what yeah, you're shooting. Exactly. Learning your scripts. And all so, that. yeah. So sometimes, you know, you're in bed by 9 PM and I'm up at five and you've, then you've still got to eat, walk the dogs, clean your house, take your rubbish out, do your laundry, <laughs> learn your lines. Like, you're still going to have a life. Yeah. Um, but you get into that building and despite 
how heavy uh, the subject matter is, which of course at the moment is quite heavy, you're incredibly fortunate to be surrounded by the most beautiful group of people. I know it sounds really wanky. Like everybody always says, it's, oh, it's like, uh, but it's true. It is like being in a family. These people are amazing. I've, 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 as I said, done this for 30 years. And for the majority of that 30 years have been spent shooting six months, three months, doing plays, maybe a couple of years, like the longest stretch before Corrie really was maybe two years with the Royal Shakespeare Company or uh, did a couple of years on Emmerdale or, you know. But to to forge real beautiful friendships with people over a over, over massive period of time, like I've been able to do on Corrie, is like the biggest gift in the world. And you've met enough of us now. Oh, yeah, to, it is. It, it, he's not lying. Though. It is very much like a family when you go to Coronation yeah. Street. Everyone's so welcoming, it's true. <laughs> it's it's beautiful. And, you know, when we're, whenever we get guest artists coming in, and it's terrifying, even, even you know, starting on uh, your first day, on on Corrie is terrifying, yeah. Because you know it so well, you know the sets, the actors, everything else. So you walk on, and it's so overwhelming. Yet everybody is so warm, so welcoming, funny, relaxed. You know, and it's not just the actors, the crew, like these, the, the people that you don't see. Mm. we I adore them we adore them like they are they're as much a part of the show as we are yeah you guys just don't get to see their faces mm-hmm. and you know the, the banter it, that goes on is phenomenal mm. um it it is a truly beautiful place to work I feel genuinely blessed to have been a part of it for the best part of a decade I really do it's lovely it's lovely you you mentioned before about all the other stuff that you've done before Corey and the stage and, and everything. Now we do know that you've got a good set of pipes on you. And one of the things that I really loved a, a happier Christmas for Billy is when you were there tinkling the old ivories in the Santa oh, yes. Victoria street a few years ago. Do you wish you like, had more of an opportunity to just burst into song? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Thing was with, with, it's, no, so so my my playing the piano and my singing skills were very much um, kind of under wraps, really. <laughs> I trained in musical theatre, um, but never really worked in musical theatre. Right. I played a piano. There's one just down here at the end of the room, which you can't actually see because the angle was my grandmother's. What was my grandmother's piano down there? Mm-hmm. Um, I've been playing the piano since I was seven. I've always sang. Um, and it wasn't until uh, I did, well, All Star Musicals was yeah, the first course. time that I ever really sang in public. And um, Ali Sinclair, who's um, head of press for, for Corey, mm-hmm. um, I said to her, are they, are they recommissioning All Star Musicals? And she said, yeah. I said, would, would you suggest me for it? And she went, it's a singing show. I said, yeah, I know. Said, do you sing? And I said, well, I do. Yeah. She was like, what do you mean? I said, well, I play the piano as well. And she went, what? Why didn't we know this? I said, well, because I've been playing a Northern Vicar for you for the last sort of <laughs> seven or eight years. And nobody's ever asked. So um, it, would, would you suggest me for it? Of course, you know, that, that I love doing that show. And it, I, I went on to win the, the, the yeah, competition. I 
having said that, once that happened, suddenly Billy could sing and play the piano. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, the writers, you know, of course, why wouldn't they yeah. suddenly discover that you as a performer could do something and then integrate that with the character? Of course, why not? Absolutely. And I, I did love the storyline where, where they got a piano in the flat. Oh, yeah. The flat was burgled yeah, and the piano yeah. was up. I think we only had the piano for one episode. And I was like, <laughs> um, having said that, to answer your question, when we were shooting the Christmas episode where they wheel the piano out into the middle of the street and Billy plays a myriad of, of, of Christmas carols and everybody joined and, you know, what was joyful about that for us was the fact because of all the COVID nonsense, it was the first time that we were allowed as a company. I mean, we were yeah. all still meters apart, I think at that point, but there were 22 of us in, in that scene. Mm. And it was the first time in about two years where we'd allowed, we'd been allowed to be mm. together. I think the fact that we were outside was the reason we were allowed to do it, but we were allowed to do it and it, that was lovely for us however because we shoot so far ahead in 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 terms of what you guys see it would have been about the beginning of september so from the middle of august <laughs> i was sat in here rehearsing christmas <laughs> <laughs> so my neighbors would have been like what the hell is he doing He's, it's August and he's like, and I was sat in here batching out so Christmas carols that I then had to play. <laughs> so they're they're going to just be coming back to you now. That Back in the day, like Ina Sharple played the piano. I think Jack, yeah. Dunn, I think quite a few of the, the cast oh, came back then. But I think back in those days, a lot more people played instruments. Yeah, yeah. You know? I mean, I don't, I there are very few people that I know who who still have a, an actual piano in their house. Mm. The only person that I can think of that actually still has a piano in their house is Julia Goulding, who plays Shona. Yeah. Julia. They have a piano in their house. Other than that, off the top of my head, I don't know anybody else actually has an actual piano. <laughs> yeah, my, my sister's got one, if that counts, rather than... It does, totally counts. <laughs> Um, but uh, and on Coronation Street, I think I think the Baileys have got a piano in their lounge still at the moment. They do. But I've never seen around. them play it. No, no, never seen them play it. And well, and then of course you got your organ at church. So maybe we just need to have a story where the organist drops dead in the middle of a service or something. And Billy's like, "Don't yeah, worry, everyone, I've got this." Very different to playing a piano. They're very <laughs> different. I mean, that's two sets of like keys <laughs> there. Like, <laughs> so you've had such an incredibly busy time of late because there was all the all the summer stuff last yeah. year do you enjoy being busy like this on on the screen yes i would much rather be busy than the not mm. um i'm i'm happy i honestly i yeah i spring out of bed in the morning when i'm going to work i can't wait mm. i love it i love it every day when i drive into that studio i can't believe my luck it's still after all these years i'm still like oh my god this is where i work like this is awesome um i'm much happy the thing is with 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 being a creative i think you sort of feel purposeless when you're not when there's nothing to be creative with yeah um, and because of the the the, the constructs of the uh, the contract, I mean, we can do other stuff outside of, 
but because of the way that we're contracted it's very difficult to fit other stuff in Mm. um you know and you know as viewers you will notice that sometimes characters do just drop out of the show for a month or two months here and there but it's very difficult to kind of fit other stuff into that couple of months like you so you know as much as it's you know lovely to have a little bit of time off like i would rather i would rather be busy always um you know a, a few days here and there off is is delightful but i'm definitely happier when i'm when i'm busy and because i'm blessed with such a, a beautiful group that i work with because it's quite transient at Corrie. sometimes there's people you don't see mm. weeks sometimes because you're not you're not in the same storylines. So unless you bump into them in the canteen or the green room, you don't see them. Mm. Um, but Harriet, who plays Summer, I adore. Um, Have you got a bit of a, a father-daughter bond with Harriet going on? <laughs> or, are you, or are you just colleagues? Do, do you get protected? No, or Matilda before Harriet? Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, Harriet is far more mature than I am. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, if if you ever do a, a a podcast with Harriet, she will tell you. <laughs> Every time Harriet sits down on set, I make a fart noise. I go <laughs> Every time she sits down, she like rolls her eyes at me, like, "Oh my god!" Like, just grow up. I mean, it's 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 ridiculous. She <clears throat> she's a beautiful human being, she's a beautiful young lady, and we have a great relationship. Um, I would say I I. I'm, I take the piss out of her more than I father her. <laughs> <laughs> I, I also love I also love the relationship that Billy has with Todd and, and has done over the years. I and mean, I'm, I'm wondering how long it's going to take for Todd to try and wheedle his way back into Billy's life once Paul succumbs oh. to his condition. Oh, goodness knows. Oh, my God. As I said, that's, that's the writers. I have no idea. Uh-huh. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's been such an interesting journey with the character of Todd and Billy. You know, when I think back to when I first joined the show and Todd really kind of just took the piss out of him and was mm. very much, you know, like, oh, God bother her, you know, very sort of dismissive of Billy's views and 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 his faith. And then, of course, they ended up falling in love and having this yeah. mad, passionate relationship. And then ultimately, sort of that fell apart and then after adopting a child and, you know... So goodness knows where where that will, if indeed that will ever develop back into something else. I don't know. Yeah, I quite enjoyed um, Billy and Sean as a couple right at the very beginning as well. Mm. But um, it's a know. very different relationship. I mean, you know, as the viewers have got to know Billy over the years, I'm also I've also got to know him. You know, as as the as the writers flesh these characters out, you know, when you when you initially cast for the you know a show like this, you're given a brief of who this person is, but it's it's relatively small. Yeah. And then of course, as time goes on, that is fleshed out with backstory and and all sorts of like where they brought in Billy's brother Lee. Mm. Um, and then you suddenly discovered a huge amount about Billy's past. And then when they did the, the 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 story about Susan Barlow and all that, suddenly you discovered more about Billy's past. And so as an actor, you're continually learning who this person is and why they became the person they are now. And then ultimately that that changes how you play them and, and ultimately who they are in that moment. So 
I mean, I would love to be there in another 10 years. And if I am, I wonder whether I'll look back on where I'm playing Billy from now and 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 he will be a different person to who he is at this moment. I I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. You, you mentioned earlier as well about um, the fact that you sometimes you go weeks, months without um, working with other people on the cast. Is there, is there anybody who you'd like to have some scenes with that you either haven't done for a long time or, or maybe not at all? Oh, my goodness. I mean, yeah. There isn't anybody that I wouldn't like to work with, really. <laughs> I'd say who I'd love working with, but it's for all the wrong reasons, is Simon Gregson, because oh, yeah. I, I love Si. And we get on, in real life, we get on like a house on fire. Mm. On set, we can barely get through a scene without giggling. <laughs> and that is joyful. It's joyful. Um, I love working with Chris Gascoigne. I love Chris. Chris and I see each other outside of work a lot. Um, and he's he's a beautiful man and um i like the dynamic between peter and billy um especially with the whole susan thing still lingering yeah of course i'll tell you who else i love is jodie prenger oh yeah isn't she brilliant oh my god just joyful joyful i i i would love billy and glenda to hang out a bit billy doesn't have a lot of mates like he's proper Billy no mates so I would <laughs> I would love Billy to gain some friends yeah and I think I think what Corey does brilliantly is pairing characters that are really opposite and and I'm finding the sort of interesting sort of moments that that those opposites bring mm. you know you had Carla and Roy for example like totally opposite characters but mm. this beautiful pairing of these two characters that was just it was you know um i mean carla and billy <laughs> so ali and i are really good mates in fact we're we're going on holiday together in, in <laughs> yeah and but when we play when we're together as daniel and and ali like we just us, mm. and then when you stick us on set, and it's Carla and Billy, because we know each other so well in real life, I we do, neither of us kind of know how to, yeah. <laughs> what to do because it's like oh my god, like <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. So I, I mean maybe I mean Carla and Billy would be a quite an interesting. Pairing, I, don't, I, think. I don't know what the story with there would be, but I don't know. But Carla's so cool, and Billy's so not. <laughs> that that's I don't know. I think that would be quite an interesting yeah. Uh, mix. Yeah, yes, maybe, yeah, see... maybe Carla and Billy. That would be yeah. cool. <laughs> I want to see. I want to see Granny Spellman come back and and cause a bit of havoc for Billy as well, because she was she was a force she was of brilliant, wasn't she? Wasn't she, she brilliant? So good, so good. Yeah, yeah, she <laughs> was brilliant. Yeah. yeah. And until we've heard that the characters died off screen, there's there's still the possibility. <laughs> Sometimes they say that Summer's gone to visit her for a bit, don't they? If uh, if if Harriet's been off screen for a bit, it's like oh, she's been visiting. We've never family. met Billy's mum either. No, that's so, true. Yeah. Mm. So, so there's always a little bit of room there for potentially something mm. to yeah, come in. Sure. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. So. Nearly nine years, you say, you've been on Coronation Street. So our podcast has been going just a few years longer than you've been on the show. And, and I would say that since the podcast has started, Billy is one of the characters that 
we think has been you know the most significant of the of the new characters one of the most complex characters did did you think when you joined all that time ago that you would still be here going going strong all these years later was that the plan to stay as long as you could well i think as a jobbing actor which i am mm-hmm. um i don't think you ever really think well certainly i don't think beyond the length of my contract it's yeah. you know i i as i said been doing this 30 years the the i i there isn't a genre that i haven't worked in you know for movies animation theater yeah. musicals like i've i've worked in such a large variety of 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 stuff <clears throat> that i don't think i ever and when i initially started the, the show it was a three year option so it was a six month contract yeah. with another six months on the end and then potentially another year and another year after that mm-hmm. it's only if they decided to pick up the option and i decided i wanted to pick up the option yeah and initially i thought three years in the same place i'd never as i said never stayed anywhere longer than two years i thought three years (laughs) oh my goodness and i was living in london at the time so i commuted from london for the first six months and then decided to move to manchester now i've i've always loved manchester i don't know what it is about manchester but i have it's, it's incredible. I came up here in 2004 to do a play at the Royal Exchange Theatre. Yeah. And I have no idea why, but I knew within about three weeks of working here that this is where I wanted to be. Mm. Um, and I ended up buying a flat in Ancoats um, and sort of moving up here. But I, by that point, I was in Emmerdale. So I was I was uh, commuting from Leeds to, to Manchester. I did live in, in Leeds for a bit, but uh, I spent a bit of time here. Um, and I, I don't know what it is about Manchester. I was, I was just drawn back. And then even after I left Emmerdale and I moved back to London, I, st- I kept getting jobs back in Manchester, Waterloo Road, and then uh, then I was doing a play at the Lowry. Mm. Then I just kept being brought back to Manchester, and it was like Manchester was just kind of, yeah, you know, bringing me back and bringing me back. So when Corrie happened, um, <laughs> I'd, I, 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 as I said, I was living in London. Um, I commuted for the first six months and then thought, Right. I mean, it, it costs a fortune to travel backwards and forwards, to live in two places, which I essentially was at the time. So I scrapped off London, moved up here. <laughs> and I couldn't be happier. I love it up here. I mean, I, I genuinely I've absolutely fallen in love with Manchester, the people, the place. And I've properly made a home here. Yeah. I think even if I wasn't in Corrie, I would stay living here now like there's no there's no way that I would move back down south um but in terms of the length of contract I don't think I've ever really it's about you know it's like touching wood you want to like I would I'm happy to stay at Corrie I love Corrie I think after because I'd had a 21 22 year career by the time I got to Corrie, I'd spent my life living out of a bag. Yeah. 
spent my life traveling. I'd lived all over, all over the world, all over the UK, constantly traveling. The beautiful thing about Corrie, and maybe this is just my age, <laughs> is that I now have a work-life balance. I get to wake up in my own bed. I get to get my pants out of a drawer rather than an overnight bag. I shower in my own bathroom. Yeah. Not, I'm not constantly chasing the next contract. I'm, you know, I feel like I've got three dogs. Like I come home to the dogs, and and you know, and I, it's it's there. There is a there is a work life balance. Whereas when I was just jobbing all the time. The the I I I'd sometimes I wouldn't be home for nine or ten months in a year, yeah. and I'd you know traveling from one place to the next. Um. So Corrie has given me a a, a life on a, as well as a career. Do you mm. know what I mean? Like it's yeah. it's it's both. It's a balance of both. And um, your mum must be pretty proud of you as well, being on a on Corrie. She well, of course, she loves it. She loves it. Of course, she does. <laughs> but as I said, she loved it before I was even in it. So yeah. it's not it's like made it weird for her, has it? Seeing you and it's like, oh, is that Dan? Is that Billy? I think so. I think because she'd seen me in so many other things prior yeah. to me going into it. And as I said, I you know, <clears throat> with every contract that's offered, it feels like a gift because it's like, oh my god, okay, they want me to stay. I'm happy to stay. My opinion on things in terms of career is I, I suppose very different to how it was when I was in my, you know, teens or twenties. I think I'm, I'm so happy at Corrie. I'm really happy there. And therefore my opinion is why would you change that? Yeah. I'm happy. I get to be creative. I get to hang out with people I adore every single day why would I why would I change that if ever I became unhappy there then that would be my reason to not be there anymore sure um and again maybe that's age I don't know I don't know I I, I feel like my career has been beautiful I've had a, I've, I've had some incredible experiences done some amazing gigs worked with and met and and you know worked with some wonderful people but I'm I'm so happy at Corey. So I don't know why I would ever give that up because I I wake up in the morning and I'm so excited to go to work. And I get and then I get to come home and to my own house and my dogs and my partner. And I'm like, why would I why would I not want that as my life? Like it's absolutely bang on. Well, I know there's a lot of Billy fans out there that'll be happy to hear that. Oh, well, that's good. <laughs> and thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. It's been oh, you're welcome. lovely thank you chatting me. with you. We, we talked about the sad stuff and the happy stuff. And I think we've, uh, I, have, I've, I think we've learned a lot about you as well. So thank you. Oh, good. Much. Okay. <laughs> Best of luck with, well, uh, with the, rest, the rest of the storyline. Yes. Oh, well, we'll see. I mean, <laughs> we'll see. You know, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> All right. Cheers then. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. Brilliant. There we go. What oh, do you think about that? He was great, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, he's so friendly. Yeah, I get very generous with this time. A whole hour of Dan Brocklebank goodness. 
Yeah. Loved, loved it. Um, I really liked, he, he was so, ch- I could hear you chatting away with him when you were doing the interview, having a really we, great time. We, yeah, it was great. It was a, a mixture of, you know, talking about the serious stuff with the MND charity, mm-hmm. but also I had a really, really good laugh talking about the other things like the cliff fall mm-hmm. and, and stuff afterwards. Mm-hmm. So thank you so much, Dan, um, for, for coming on and chatting. Lovely to get hold of you at last. Yeah, and it's really nice too that he's got such an important storyline that's ongoing um, with uh, Billy and Paul and the MND storyline. Mm. Um, so now we're going to have um, Chris. Chris, who's going to talk to you he, in the past about, yeah. <laughs> about about what it's like to work with Corey on the MND uh, storyline for Paul. Yeah, yeah. So Chris James was lovely. We had a chat for fifteen minutes or so. So just to round off the episode, here's me and him um, talking about that side of things. So over to you, you. And <laughs> with Chris. <laughs> Here with me now is Chris James, the Director of External Affairs at the Motor Neurone Disease Association, who's come onto the podcast to chat about the charity's work with Coronation Street on Paul's devastating storyline. Chris, lovely to meet you. Yeah, lovely to meet you. Uh, thank you for asking me to come on the uh, come on the podcast. No, no, no worries. It's really interesting to be able to chat with um, uh, charities and, and other associations that work with Coronation Street sometimes to get their side of the story. So. Yeah. Could you tell me a little bit about the Motor Neurone Disease Association first, you know, the, the sort of work it does in supporting individuals with MND and, and what your personal role in the charity is? Yes, of course. Um, as people are probably aware, uh, motor neurone disease is a progressive neurological disorder. Um, there are about 5,000 people in the UK with MND at any one time. And the Motor Neurone Disease Association is there really for, for three main things. We Firstly, we uh, fundraise for and promote research into MND, so looking for cures and treatments for the disease. Mm-hmm. We also provide a support service for people with MND. So things like a, uh, we have volunteer association visitors who go out and work and support families. We run a helpline. We produce a lot of information for people and we try and support people through their journey with MND as much as we possibly can. Mm-hmm. And then of course, the other aspect of our work is campaigning, uh, trying to get the best possible treatment and services for people with MND through the health and social care system and the benefit system. And my role is uh, I'm director of external affairs so I have quite a broad um, remit actually I look after the kind of comms and marketing side I look after the campaigning policy and public affairs piece but I also then also look after the sort of uh, celebrity management side of things our patrons ambassadors and all that that sort of high profile supporters as well so fairly great lovely so how did the collaboration between the MND Association and Coronation Street come about well, it all started when the Coronation Street production team contacted us towards the end of last year, sort of last quarter of last year, said they were interested in exploring uh, an MND storyline within Coronation Street. And they were really keen to get our support uh, to do that. What they were really conscious of is that they wanted to make it as uh, authentically uh, uh, a, a really authentic story about MND, uh, a real story, and they wanted to make sure that it was as accurate as as possible. Right. Um, and so they were at; they've been absolutely brilliant. They contacted us early on. They talked to us. They ran st- storylines by us. They still run the storylines by us and the scripts to see mm-hmm. if we have any thoughts. And they've been really amenable because what we've been able to do is kind of. Um, introduce things into this or suggest things for the storyline that yeah. might be impacting on uh on, on Paul as he goes through his journey with MND. 
As it said, did they have an idea at the beginning, right from the start, how they wanted Paul's story to progress? Or was it more of a case that their ideas were in the early stages and initially they wanted your help into turning that into a realistic story? I think they had an idea of uh, how the storyline might progress, um, but they really wanted um, us to really give them a sense check on that about the progression. And they, they I think they'd already done some research into yeah. the potential progression of MND and, and that journey, but they just wanted to make sure that what they were portraying was accurate. But they did actually ask us several things about, you know, how might MND progress? Yeah. How is yeah, how was it how would it be diagnosed yeah. um what would be those early symptoms of mnd particularly for those early stages of the storyline because obviously they needed to build that in and make it as accurate as possible and and everybody's diagnosis in a sense is different but yeah. it's um you know we, we were able to help and support them with that right from the beginning really sure were, were there any um elements of living with mnd that you wanted to make sure that coronation street got absolutely right yeah um it's as i said it's difficult because actually everybody's journey with mnd is different mm. um and so there isn't one story about mnd in that sense yeah uh, they're all very powerful story and the stories and this is a really devastating disease so i think we were really keen that they were able to show um perhaps some of the challenges of diagnosis which we know is an issue with mnd there's mm. no there's no test you can do that says it's MND. It tends to be a elimination of all other things and then you yeah. get to MND. And that's a challenge for people. And we were very keen that uh it you'd show the the real impact of MND. I think people are quite shocked when they hear some of the 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 information about mm. MND, you know, that half of people die within two years of diagnosis. And that that's a really shocking figure and it really takes so to explore those types of things and and also the kind of support that someone with MND can get as well. So that to bring those into the storyline to show people that whilst there isn't a treatment for MND and there's no cure for MND, there are really good support services there for people. Yeah. And of course the impact on the family. And of course that's something that the storyline is is exploring between Paul and Billy's relationship and how that's the challenges that MND is presenting to that that relationship yeah sure were there any were there any like misconceptions about MND that you wanted to make sure that you covered and any kind of misunderstandings that people might have had about the condition before the storyline uh, started yeah. out that's a really good question. I think there were a few things that, um, in fact, the storyline has explored this and the frustrations for people in MD. And I should say, this storyline is so massively important for the MD community because mm. it's helping them explain MND. And they, yeah. they get so frustrated, they have to keep saying, it's MND, you know, mm. this is what it is, you know. And this storyline with the, the 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 wide viewership that, that Coronation Street has is really helping with that. So, for example, things like um, one of the aspects is slurred speech. Mm. And people often think someone's drunk. Yeah. Well, drunk they've got mnd they're, they're kind of slurring their speech so highlighting those sorts of things are really really important and um uh i think the i guess and this is one of the most challenging pieces to 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 misconceptions with mnd is that you know you might get better mm. and 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 nowadays with many diseases and conditions that is the case yeah. but with MND, that's not going to happen mm. 
MND is progressive. It will progress at different rates for different people and speeds, but it will progress. Yeah. And so you, you've already seen the impact, I think, in the story on Paul and his livelihood of, yeah. uh, you know, and, and, and how that's affecting him and he's lost the, the you know, he's losing the, the use of his hands and things like that. So those are really important, uh, very important for the MND community and very important for awareness about MND. Sure. So I, I spoke earlier with uh, Dan Brocklebank about his work on the story too, who who plays mm -hmm. Billy. Um, what would you say is the value of having a patron of the MND Association working so closely with the story? It, it, it's huge. Um, we couldn't quite believe it. I don't think Dan could quite believe it himself. No. Actually. Um, <laughs> and of course, he's been a great ambassador for the MND Association for many years uh, since he lost his grandfather to, to MND. And um, yeah, I, I think, yeah, absolutely. And um he he that uh that essence of having him as part of this story is is really important and i think um it, i know he's, he's probably finding it enormously challenging i suspect in 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 how he's approaching it and uh and and there's a lot of resonance i'm sure for him in the storyline but but to have that support it's certainly enabled um us to tell that story you know it helped us to tell the story particularly to, with the media aspect to it and the raising of awareness to have Dan being very happy mm -hmm. as an involved in this story to talk yeah. about it it's really great yeah 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 um what, what are some of the challenges the biggest challenges do you think that Dan the, the Pete and the, the Coronation Street cast are going to be facing as the story moves forward I think showing the progression of MND is going to be difficult. I mean, just for Peter um, as an actor, mm. um, uh, uh, you know, he's following the footsteps of people like, you know, Benedict Cumberbatch and Eddie Redmayne yeah. who played Stephen Hawking. Mm -hmm. um, he had MND. So, and, and I think he's doing an amazing job. And I obviously, yeah. I'm sure he's, you know, doing a lot of research into, you know, how he's going to portray that as he moves forward. Um, I guess one of the challenging things is going to be as um, it, and I don't know how the storyline will progress as it goes, but I said earlier, you know, with MND, you don't get better. You know, there's going to be a point where there's going to be a part of this story that is about end of life mm -hmm. and palliative care and how you deal with death and bereavement. And I think for any, any drama, that's that's always challenging making that authentic and yeah. uh, i'm sure they're thinking very very hard about that and i know when the time comes they'll probably share some of the, the scripts with us to to talk us through that so that's i you know that's going to be i suspect very tough for the, mm. the production team the actors and everybody involved yeah what's your work with peter ash entailed so far then well, we've um, uh, we've worked, talked to Peter about the the role and um, about MND, and I know he's uh, met. Us, uh, we managed to get put him in touch with someone who has MND. Mm -hmm. uh, person so he got to talk to someone about their experience of MND um, and also um, we're, we're always there to help if there's any queries or questions that he might have we we're very fortunate we have a, a great um, specialist MND nurse coordinator yeah. uh, works in one of our MND care centers who's been supporting as well uh, who has that sort of uh, that sort of medical professional knowledge about certain aspects of MD and it's really important that, that we got that professional support in as well to support Paul in, in doing the role. Sorry, to support Pete in doing the role. <laughs> <laughs> how have you have you been watching? How have you how have you found his portrayal of the condition on screen so far? 
I think it's extraordinary. And, and, and I know the challenges of this because at the end of the day, and, and for the production team, this is a drama. Mm. So there has to be dramatic license. Yeah. But actually for me, and, and just from the reaction we've seen from the M&D community, they feel it's very real. And I think it, you know, it's really affecting. We know people, and and this is the other side of the story, but that the, the MD community is very pleased. But people with MD and their families are finding it tough to watch. Yeah, but it's, it's resonating so so much with them, and obviously, you know, uh, uh, that that support for them is is really important. So I think, um, yeah, I I think it it's it's coming across as a really it, it's clearly a drama. And there are dramatic aspects. The story has been very dramatic in the last couple of weeks. You know that whole storyline and the relationship, etc. So, it, but it still feels very real and dramatic. You know, real and and and, and genuinely a, a, a person story with M and D, definitely. Mm. Yeah. And what what about Paul's family? So we've seen it's his partner Billy, his sister Gemma, his mum as well. And mm -hmm. How they've reacted to Paul's news? Has this mirrored mm. some of the reactions that you've seen from family members of people diagnosed with M and D? Yeah, MND I mean, is just a brutal disease. Yeah. It, it really is a brutal disease, and it has an enormous impact on anybody who's close to that person with the disease because they see parts of them disappearing over mm. time. You know, and and uh, you know, eighty five percent of people have uh, have communication issues, and and many of them lose their voice. So that and they get cut off away in a way of the family however hard that family tries to to keep that the the pressure on the family is extraordinary and mm. that's those are genuine pressures that you're seeing on yeah. coronation street and i think um you know we've seen with with uh the rugby league player rob burrow who's told his story with m and d very publicly um you know whenever there's a documentary about rob you see you see the pressures on the family and, I, yeah. and so yeah the, these are genuinely this is genuinely the impact of MND when it hits a family, most definitely. Yeah. How have you found the reaction to viewers so far on the story? Have you kind of been tracking what Coronation Street fans have been saying about it online or anything? Yeah, I mean, it seems to be very positive. I think mm. people are um, uh, they obviously comment on the dramatic aspects to it as well. And um, but but clearly, you know, I think people are 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 really being affected by the story um it's it's probably giving people cause to think about you know mnd diseases like mnd and the impact they have and and uh, i i think people have been very positive they they've been certainly very engaged with it from what we can see and there's lots of media coverage as well going around the story as well which is great i guess that was again one of your aims when, when working with Coronation Street on this to, to raise awareness, to get people to understand what MND was, to get people talking about it. Yeah, most definitely. And I think that awareness is so important. I mean, just for the work that we do on behalf of the MND community and working with the MND community to, you know, raise more money for research, to to get better care and support and, and to be able to campaign on the issues that really are important to them. So that awareness in all those areas drives all those all, all those things for us so um i have you know on on a major drama that's going out you know several times a week um uh, with a story about mnd just makes a massive difference to the mnd community into awareness does mm -hmm. yeah what, what can people do if they're um if they watch this storyline and they want to support or raise more money for the mnd association well, the best thing to do is probably go on our website where you can find mm -hmm. more.
information about um, MND, but also the ways that you can support the association. We have a number of uh, voluntary roles that people can get involved in. Um, clearly, we have a range of fundraising activities that people might like to do and, and to support the association. So, yeah, um, it's just www.mndassociation.org. Um, right. If you on the website it, all the information is there but and obviously we welcome any support that people give and, and extremely grateful for it thank you yeah. and do you have any other you said there's always charity work there's always uh, fundraising going on do you have any other big collaborations or projects that you're working on or coming up in the future um, yeah, we've got um, a number of things in terms of uh, fundraising activity. We've got a number of kind of corporate, big corporate um, uh, uh, relationships at the moment and partnerships mm -hmm. that, that we're doing. Um, we've just had Global uh, Aware MND Awareness Day, which was in June. Um, uh -huh. We did a lot of work around that. So, um, yeah, we, we're certainly in terms of our campaigning work where we're still pushing for more funding for MND uh, through through the government and also uh, working on a number of other projects sort of campaigning wise to get better services for people with MND. So we've got quite, quite, there's a lot going on at the moment, certainly. And, uh, right. you know, over the last few uh, 18 months has been amazing. It was Kev Sinfield, obviously, you know, mm. his project. We're sort of waiting with bated breath, you know, to see if Kev might do another challenge you know <laughs> well i wish you the very best of luck thank you so thank much you. for coming on the podcast today and it's been really interesting to hear about the story from from your point of view but um yeah really hope hope this does do what you want it to do and get more people talking and, and raising money and and hopefully like you said one day finding a cure um thank you so much for your support michael it's been great to be on the podcast thank you oh, it's lovely talking to you bye bye, bye. Lovely. Yeah. Yeah, really, I, I found that absolutely fascinating. And it certainly made me think, is there something we should do more of in the future, reaching out to the partners at Coronation Street oh, works certainly for these, would like to, these types yeah. of interviews and doing these double whammy kind it's of really interviews. It's really interesting to, to, to hear about how the charities work and, yeah. and what their priorities are and how important it is to, to work with Coronation Street. Yeah, to, to it get really, things right. On, the one thing that I've... I've um, well, one of the many things that I've noticed when we've been working on this story in particular, there are a few, there have been a few really high-profile storylines that um, Coronation Street have done, issues-based ones, mm. and um, and people get in touch for those. And I think the highest-profile one before that was Aiden's suicide yes. story, and this one too. We've had loads of listeners write in with their own personal experiences, or to tell us that in some way this has touched their lives, and it's it makes it all the more important for us to do stuff like this to help to um, get the message out and to educate people a bit more about it and also to support people too because seeing your, your experience represented on screen can be a really validating experience that helps you feel like you're not alone so mm. I'm glad that we had this opportunity absolutely I, I, yeah, I hope that that was helpful as well and, and if if you do want to reach out and help support uh, the MND Association then head over to the to the website that Chris gave in the interview and um, yeah they do really brilliant work pop them a few support. pounds yeah please do help support them because they they do fantastic work and we'll probably be putting our Patreon um, oh yeah, I would have charity so. donation in Absolutely. December towards it so if you'd like to help with that <laughs> don't forget you can always join our Patreon nice plug thanks right 
we're done. I hope you enjoyed that, everybody. Thank you very much for listening or Thank watching you if you're on YouTube and you just decided to listen to this bit as well for the extra. Um, we're going to be back at the weekend with more Coronation Street stuff in our weekly um, Street Talk podcast. But until then, goodbye. Goodbye. The music for this episode came from podcastthemes.com. Oh, oh, oh.